This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Okay, um, so I guess we, um, which is the third time um, we're meeting, and we're holding um, where it says in middle of Gimel, in middle of Siv Gimel. Um, so we had defined last time. Oh, sorry, you're no, sheets. We had defined last time um, how we define God. We spoke about a primary being. We spoke about the um, God being something that is totally independent of anything or anyone else, and everything else is being totally dependent. And, and the way the Rambam phrased it was that were we to imagine that God would disappear, everything else could not exist. Would we, were we to imagine that everything in the world um, disappeared, God would not exist any less. Which, which is very, very fundamental um, a belief that nothing we do contributes really in essence to God. And we spoke last time, it's a very tough call. Shalom Aleik, what's your name? Sorry? What? Aran. Aran what? Sharon. Sharon, Israeli? No. Sharon. Okay. Well, the, the name is certainly Israeli. Um, so, so we spoke last time, and it creates a little bit of a difficulty for us. We have to sort of live with two understandings, both are right, and yet it's hard for them to coexist. One is that no matter what we do, we don't really affect God. On the other hand, within the context of our interaction with God, we speak about doing good things, God is pleased by it, God um, you know, sh shows favor to us, kind of. There is a relationship, and the, the way to imagine it, it's, it's a bit of a crude uh, um, metaphor or illustration, but it, it works. When you have a teacher with kids, and a kid comes home and, a and he says, I'm so happy, I made my teacher very, very happy. And what's that? And well, she said, she said beginning of the weekend that whoever can tell me, you know, I don't know how many countries there are in Asia and list them, she'll be very, very happy. And I came and I listed all of them and I've made her very, very happy. And we have to explain to the kid, the teacher has a self, and it really, really doesn't make a difference to her when she got home, if you know all the countries in Asia. But as a teacher, she was delighted. So, so there is the, te the teacher persona is one fragment um, of the person, of the, of, the, of, the, of the human being of the teacher. I remember we had a teacher in school, I remember fourth grade, who was renowned for being tough and mean and demanding and uh, what we used to call her Mrs. X because you dare not mention her name. She was so, such a monster. And I remember she, she really put the fear of, of the Lord in, in everyone's heart. And, <laughs> I mean, no one thought of, you didn't even think of misbehaving in class. I remember one day we took a trip and, um, and she brought a song along. And we, we couldn't believe that she actually had a husband and children. Like, like you know, it, it, we, we couldn't understand her as a human being, but a family and loving and kind. 
and yet in, in the framework of school being such a uh, strong person. But at any rate, so, so we relate to it like that way. We say in the relationship of us doing right and wrong, there's the sense of, you know, we, we, we can appropriately give it a sense of doing right in his eyes, um, God being delighted with us, um, God being upset with us and so on. And yet in the big picture, we haven't given anything and we haven't taken anything. That's until now what we see. The Rambam now explains another term that is very, very much linked with God and expresses this. And it's something that's baffling unless you understand it the way the Rambam puts it. Let's, let's, let's describe the term, where we use it, and why it's so baffling. Um, if, if we had to ask ourselves of the many qualities attributed to God, which quality is the most essential quality, and which are, I don't know, periphery or secondary or, or, or extensions. So the Gemara says that in a certain context, a note fell from heaven once about something, and it says God was signed the word truth, emet. Emes was the signature. So that means when I write a letter, for instance, so I write many points and how are you? And I'm happy with this, I'm upset with this, this happened, that happened, the other thing. Each point in a letter describes certain aspects of my life. When I sign my name, the signature is me. That's what it is. So the signature of God is Emes, and that's a very famous phrase, God's signature is truth. Now, um, so we see truth as being the most essential of qualities, and all other qualities as being kind of extensions and somehow fit into the picture. The problem with that is, what does truth with a capital T mean? It's hard for us to think of truth as any essential quality. Um, when somebody is true, it means he doesn't lie. So first problem with that is that that's it's it's listen. It is hard to find people that don't lie. Yes, um, and it's not and and it's hard to resist temptation. But at the end of the day, in a really absolute sense, um, it's just a negative. When I say somebody always tells the truth, what I really mean to say is he doesn't lie. Um, so, so is that a, first of all is that a positive quality it, I mean it's 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 one thing when I say somebody is very giving um, so there it makes a lot of sense it's, it's it no, the norm is not to give and he's going beyond the norm you can take you cannot give not take and you can give but the truth I mean is it just isn't it just saying God is not a liar when I say God is truthful isn't the, isn't logically the right thing to say is God's not a liar it doesn't sound to us terribly terribly um, you know complimentary secondly I mean tells the truth to whom it, it, of, of all the things that God does it's a very narrow slice yes God occasionally communicates with men he, he, he communicates with prophets communicates with the Torah and in those situations he always tells the truth that's nice but I mean in what way is that the main activity of God from the time he created the world to the time he um, you know he's done miracles and helped the Jews and brought difficulties and brought calamities to the world and so on that the, 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 all those activities don't really the truth it just and it's also I mean truth really requires sort of two things there's what happened and what I'm saying so 
so I, exactly how many times has God testified where like it, it's so it, if you think about it, the word truth sounds very very under it sounds very good with a capital P capital R capital U you know you can they put the capitals there but what does it mean I mean it, it's it true in what sense I mean it, it, it's, so the things he promises come okay you know it doesn't feel right to us that that should be in any way a quality and certainly not essential quality. And so the answer is, and, and the truth is, Rosh Hashanah, in our prayers and on the New Year's in Rosh Hashanah, the, the theme is we finish the the main part of our prayer with the with the summation that you are a God of truth, and and therefore and all the words and everything you say come true. So, A, on the most important day, we're labeling God as the God of truth. On, on Yom Kippur, on Day of Atonement, we label him as a God who forgives, which is natural. On Rosh Hashanah, which seems to be like the first point in the world, we label him as God of truth. And the fact that he fulfills his words is only an extension of that. So, so what is it? So Maimonides here gives us the explanation bit. Let's first explain it kind of outside with some illustrations, and then we'll get the feel of what he means. Um, if I say this is a um, true piece of wood, which obviously is not, it means it is wood through and through. Um, if something is coated with wood, so it's not wood, it only it appears to be wood, but go down deep enough, it's not wood. If I have a picture of wood, it's only a picture of it. Um, in other words, wood has different aspects to it, and it it has it exists and it appears in a certain way. So when I have something that if I have a picture of wood, you have the appearance of the wood. What greets my eyes is a wood-like picture, but it's not wood. It doesn't it, it doesn't exist as wood. If I have something with a veneer of wood. So I have the things that, I, I have something which appears to be wood, and it's one millimeter wood, but it's not through or through wood. And, and, and when I have something that is, it, it's, it's, it's the entirety of its existence, is identical to existence of wood, that's that. When I have things that are, um, when I have things that give off an appearance, but don't, are not the thing itself, that's false in the real sense of it. Speaking and saying not the truth is one example of it. But really, the pr we have the things as they are and their projections. So let's um, ask ourselves: What is the what is the what is the what is the everything in the world we have? What does it project first and foremost? First and foremost, it projects that it exists. And it is. The, the word, the quality to be, applies to everything in the world as is. And, and therefore, reality, the projection of reality, is the, the strongest. Before I even, my first question, if I see something and I ask what it is, the first question is, is it a mirage or it really exists? I say, no, it really exists. Okay. So what is it? What is it composed of? What are its properties and so on? But existence is, is, so when I speak about things in the world, I talk about things that exist. But that existence, in a fundamental way, since it's not, 
um, in, it, since it's not innate to the object, the object does not exist on its accord. For instance, let, let's give an example. Let's say I drive around in a fancy car and have a beautiful mansion and other trappings of wealth. And as somebody says, oh, look at him, well-to-do person, a lot of property. And the guy says, no, he's got a rich dad who sells with money. What I mean to say is he pulls the plug tomorrow you're not rich anymore it's not as if you have the money you have the appearance of the money you 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 you're you're, you're, you're displaying money but since the money is not inherently yours it's fake in that sense um, there was I once heard a very 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 touching um, description there somebody went somebody went to comfort someone who was sitting over over a, a, a son that passed away and he said over the following thought, it says in the Gemara that there is no, it says, ain't sur ke'elokeinu. Um, we say it actually Shabbos after, at the end of the davening ain't ke'elokeinu. There is no rock. There's nothing as firm, as solid as God. So the Talmud um, you, takes the word sur and pronounces differently and calls it sire which means artist and it says every everyone can uh, an artist can make nice paintings god can make nice paintings and put a heart and a lung and and so on into it that's the talmud the talmud speaks about how god can create so many things a, a rabbi the point said the following take on this on this uh, gemara he says a good artist make things that are very lifelike. He said there was an artist who painted, a famous artist who painted in a synagogue in Jerusalem, a picture of a bookshelf, you know, with books in it, and forever people were going to take books out of it. So, so that's a very sort of, the, the ability to give over that illusion um, where you really feel it's real is, is a hallmark great artist. He said God makes figurines so skillfully that the figurines themselves think that they are alive or they have existence in other words at the end of the day we have a very strong sense of self we are and yes we definitely are and 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 we take our that we exist for granted the idea that we only exist by the will and all, like we said last time, all it requires is God just not to will us and we're not around. Doesn't, it's an impossibility for us to picture that. So God's existence is real in a fundamental way. Like we described last time, that God exists um, because that's a definition of God, is that which exists without cause. And therefore, you can't deny that existence. You, you can't take anything away. If something, if something exists because existing is its primary state, then no matter what material you remove from it, you haven't removed anything from that. And it hasn't caused it. If, if, if you don't need any raw material to come into being, and you don't need any forces to bring it into being, and you don't need anything to, 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 uh, as input, so, so then what, do you, what can you do to diminish it? So he says, um, so the Torah defines God as truth, meaning as real existence, as real. The word truth in the most essential way, the essence of God is real. So let's see it inside now and see the way he describes it. 
Lefikach, we're at the end of the of the of the passage Gimel, by the two dots. I just want to make a side comment. Um, one of the things that is unique about this edition, this edition was very well done, and he found that this has become today the classic edition, the Frankel edition. He found that the numbering system in subdividing each each chapter had been put in at random or by the discretion of the one who made it rather than the original form. The original form are where the two dots are and they actually are a lot better in terms of, 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 of breaking up appropriately. This is what the Rambam had in mind, so I assume he knew better what he had in mind than the people who edited it, despite of what they might have thought. Lefikach, he says, therefore, ein amitosei kamitas echid mehem. The truth of God's existence is not in any way similar to the truth of any other existence. This is what the prophet says, Vashem Elohim Emes, that God is true. He himself is truth. And nothing else is true, nothing else truly exists in the sense that God truly exists. If we use this world as a baseline, then yes, this exists, this exists, and this exists. See? Responds really well. That's if we use a baseline of this. But if we use a baseline, an ultimate truth, then, then, then we are a virtual type of existence where God is a really essential existence. Um, it's in this sense that it says that there is nothing other than God. There are other things and we're very, very aware of other things and first and foremost we're aware of ourselves. Um, we certainly see ourselves as existing. So what does it mean there is nothing but God? There is nothing true or real in the sense that God is that's parallel to it. There are things that are very true and real in a sense. Let's, I, 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 want, I want to talk about a lot of things that come out of this, but this is a very fundamental piece in the sense that um, A, there are many things we're going to have to live on, on double um, realities. Like we said before we spoke about God being immutable and unaffected by our actions on one level, on the other hand, in the level that's real to us, and honestly so, God does respond, and we see it as being something affected. This is a second area. We can't negate the world and say, if he comes to me and says to me, I'm starving, would you have some bread to spare? And I say, ah, it's nonsense. You don't exist. The bread doesn't exist. It's meaningless. You're, ex you're meaningless. The bread's meaningless. And go on. Um, that's, no, that's bad. Because we're, 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 in my reality, I exist, my stomach exists, the bread exists, and he exists. And, and I can't, this is one of the reasons why this belief, it's fundamental, but it goes under a category of belief rather than, um, than real understanding. I can say those words. I can say that we're not real, the world's not real, and things don't exist. I don't, in a fundamental way, feel it. It's not palpable. I can, I can say, yes, it is true, 
but no human being, when it says in the Torah that a human being cannot perceive God and remain alive, it means you can't live with this truth and exist. You know, the type of mentality, and this is one of the reasons why, for instance, we shy terribly away from Eastern religions. And again, I'm not, I, I'm not posing as an expert in Eastern religions. I can only sort of give you the sense of, of things where you focus on how illusory this world is and meaningless and so on. Um, yes and no. In, 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 a, in, a, in an absolute sense, that's correct. But it's not real to us. And we need to treat this world as being real. People are hungry, are hungry. People who are out of control are out of control. Uh, people have drives, people have impulses, people have bad, people have good. It's very real because that's who we are. That's the honest, that's honest to us. Um, we <coughs> but, but in ultimate sense, it's not true. One of the ways in which we, we um, one of our perspectives of bad versus good, um, the, 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 of the human faculties, the two highest faculties of a person are described as seichel, which would mean reason, and dimyon, which would mean projection, imagination. In modern Ivrit, dimyon is imagination. Um, one is a very critical faculty. Uh, reason is critical. It examines and it, it, it tests. Projection, imagination, is not critical. It, it sort of builds. It, it kind of adds. We look at bad as being um, as being projection of a falsehood. Um, I want I want to give over a a, a, a a little description in the Talmud that fits this, and it helps us understand very much our perspective on bad. It says that when Messiah comes, they are going to abolish the instinct to do bad. So it says both when this happens both the people who are righteous will cry and the people who are bad will cry the people who are righteous will cry and they'll say I can't figure we can't figure out how we managed to overcome such a formidable mountain like the power of bad the, the, the evil instinct is so it, it's, it's huge and it's like the tears of relief I can't believe I climbed such a mountain how was I able to do it the wicked people will say I can't believe how I couldn't cope with a little fly a little gnat like this and, and the obvious question is well make up your mind the, the drive to do bad in every form greed sex uh, food um, you know money whatever it is um, is it is it is it huge is it terribly difficult or is it terribly easy how can two people have the perspective um, these these opposite perspectives of whether it was so difficult and sort of tears of disbelief and joy that I made it to the people that say I can't believe I didn't you know is it this great mountain or is it a little molehill and I once heard an explanation which is so right it says before a person does wrong, as the temptation looms in front of him, it always looms as a huge mountain. 
it's awesome, it's tremendous, it's great, it's fantastic. You must have it, you must do it. There's nothing better, it's wonderful. When you've done what you shouldn't do, and you look back and you say to yourself, that was stupid. I don't even understand where it was coming from. It's almost as if that balloon had just burst. And I don't say it, there was no balloon, it was nothing. The, 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 the power of, 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 of bad lies that were projected. So the righteous people had never fallen for temptation, they had resisted doing what was wrong, so they still have that vision of, of that tremendous emotional push to do it. And they can't figure out, how did we ever, um, had we ever managed? Like, like that's the picture they have. The, the bad people are the people who, who had fallen and did it. And, the, and the, they left with a bad aftertaste. And I can't believe they did something so stupid. Uh, and it was nothing. What, what, was this, what was it all? It was nothing. It was an empty bubble. I'm not, I, you know, it, it, there's no great shakes to it, nothing and so on. So both perspectives are right. Um, and so, so if we ask ourselves, the power of bad is to project things that are surface level truth um, and so on. There was once someone, an old, old man told me, he, um, he, he, was in, he grew up in, in America in the early 1900s. And there wasn't much going on in terms of observance and Judaism. It was a one-way street with people dropping their observance rather than you know taking on. And he once said this, this. So this old man told me he had a teacher, a private teacher of Kalfus. I've heard from other people they had him as their as their teacher. He, he was he was a popular private teacher in those days. He once said, American Judaism is like a movie. You're talking about the early day movies. He said. It talks, it laughs, it dances, but when you try to touch it, to tap it, it's just a sheet. I just, a, 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 just a, 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 you know, they used to project movies on sheets. He says it has all the appearance, but none of the substance. That was his description. In other words, bed projects itself as it, it, its power lies in PR, in advertising. I remember. Um, there were six years when I used to commute back and forth from um, from here to Israel. It was like six years worth of when I was had very difficult to move my family here. So I would come here, and every fourth week I would commute back to Israel. And you know, and 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 it was not you know besides the difficulties being away family, but. The trips will really get get on my nerves. It's 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 long, hard, and time. And I'd be reading magazines that, and they were advertising trips. And you have this cool-looking guy walking onto a plane, about to enter paradise because flying is such a thrilling experience. And I would look at that, and 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 I, I and, and I I would smell the carpet on the plane, and I would throw up. It was like I, it was so. Yes, it's the, the same. The same fried eggs have have made that trip for, for nine times, and and the same, you know. But but. Look at it, and and you know the picture. It, it's and and I mean, everybody feels that. When you look at an advertisement. It's great. It, well, one more description: the way in which um, the way in which our rabbis describe this phenomenon, and you begin to see how they use different illustrations to drive on the point. There's a verse in Kohelis. Kohelis is 
hard for me to pronounce English. Exclusiasis. And it says there was a wise man who saved the city and nobody remembered the wise man. And that's very hard to understand. I mean, A, it says he saved the city with his wisdom. So first of all, you save a city with courage, with might. I mean, you need a smart guy to tell you where to shoot and maybe whatever. But, and secondly, why did nobody remember him? What, what, what happened is that? So, so, so the Midrash gives a story. And he says, there was once a robber who crouched, was used to crouch by a crossroads with a big knife or spear or whatever it was. And everybody... Who, who went by, he would hold them up and they would give him the money. And this was a terrible, terrible menace and, and, and danger and so on. And there was one wise man who said to himself, hmm, this guy, it's like it's always the same position. I wonder what's doing. He snuck up behind and saw that he has no feet. He is, he, he's amputated, both feet are amputated and he was just lying crouched. And he told everybody, you've got not to be scared of because he's got a big spear, that's true, and he's got a mean look on his face, but he can't come after you. So it just instantly, it disappeared. That was it. So it was a wise man that saved the city because it, it required the understanding there's nothing to it. And it is, and nobody remembered him because they couldn't understand what the problem was. It wasn't as if, yes, this guy was tough and strong, and a guy did a five-hour battle and got a lot of scars and snap, but there's nothing there. And, and it's it's a it's it's a sort of parable, in a big picture, on the drives to do bad. Um, it yes, but but if you say to him, there's nothing to it. I remember I once read, was reading I don't know many years ago. Uh, a book that sort of it, it was like a, one of the many many fads to eat healthy and so on I don't know if it's a fad whatever it's one, one of the many different <laughs> and the person wrote in the book if you want to stay away from let's say ice cream which is tempting he says just think of it as it really is it, it's really margarine with sugar that's that that's the the, the you know mm -hmm. it, it, it's 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 fat and sugar so it's margarine and sugar and a little flavor but very few people would be tempted by margarine and sugar and when you do it that way you keep looking at it it does take away from the taste so so the, the idea is when the, the draw that wrong or bad has on you it lies in appearance in projection whereas in substance as the, it, it, um, there's no substance to that let's just we'll, we'll hold it here we'll just recap the point so um the Rambam says, I've given you a core description of God, that God is the only entity whose existence is inherent to himself. The question of where from does not apply to it. The question where from applies to every single thing in the world, because everything in the world doesn't exist by its own virtue. It exists because there was an input of some sort. And that's our most basic understanding. The idea that nothing comes, that, that you know, the, the, the conservation of matter and energy is a, a very fundamental um, axiom. We don't, we can't picture something like that. That's true, we can't. But that distinguishes God, as described, from everything else. And therefore, he, he now says, we have an understanding of the term that's used to most closely um, define God, which is true, with a big capital T. It's not true in the sense 
of true testimony or even keeping your word because that true is a, is a small version of it. When I tell you I'm going to do this and this, so, so if I can't do it at the end, then yes, I can't do it. But when I'm lying to you, what it means is my heart really says no, my lips are pretending yes. Yes, I will pick you up or I'll give you money or whatever it is. So, so the, the, the dissonance between the projection, which is my speech of, and or promise, to my real determination is falsehood and truth. So that means those words don't have real existence. They're just words. That's, that's where the concept of truth, the true and false, comes at that level. But in the big picture, that's only a small version. True means is something's existence real on the most fundamental level? Um, is, this, is, is this real or is this coming on top of something else? Does it go through? So for us to be, I am to be, to exist, it's, it's, it goes very far, but, but at some point it's, it comes with the qualifier only if, only if God willed it, only if God had brought you into the world, only if the, the, the right environment is there and therefore we can be destroyed. God's existence is very different. So we apply the word Elohim Emes, God true, in, 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 that, in, that, in that sense only to God. And we are, as compared to God, we're only an expression. We don't have substance all the way through. Whereas, you know, God is, is, is true all the way. Any questions? Any? Yes? I guess my question would be, like, based on this idea that we, um, our existence is not a true existence, that's really only God that exists. At the same time, we kind of live our lives to try to optimize to this point right. where we recognize that there is nothing that, other than God and that, right. I'm trying to think how to articulate this, like, it's like our goal is something that we can't achieve, because if we were to achieve it, we wouldn't exist. Correct. Like, it seems like And, and that, the Torah says that, man cannot see me, perceive me, and remain alive in other words we can't have the f we can't really have the full cognizance of God as is, as is and still have a sense of self if, if I were to give you an example let's say you were out of a job and you really needed in a job and I'm your favorite uncle or you're my favorite nephew and I say well you're an accountant I really need an accountant in my factory why why want I take you and you do the accounting you do it and I'm sure you do it well um, let's say you find out one day that the firm has its own accountant, doesn't need you. I only did it because I wanted to find a nice way to get you a job. And I just, all I do is I bring in manufactured papers, let you work, and I pay a check. You, you wouldn't be able to work the next day because I can't do something that's not real. I mean, I mean what am I doing? It's like nonsense. Um, so so the, 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 it is true. We, that's why. The fundamental to truth to us is things are real and we treat it that way. The, 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 we have the knowledge of the fact that ultimately it's only a shit. But, but we can't, we, we, you can't, we don't have real gut feeling in that. Direction. I guess it's more just almost from a Shkavik standpoint. Like we always, I mean, I don't know if this, maybe this isn't a Jewish idea, but not setting unrealistic goals. Like if our goal is to, under, like no God, understand Hashem, 
to the greatest extent, like, I guess that is the goal, that is realistic, to the greatest extent that we can. But, but, but again, that up, to a, up to a certain point. Yeah. We, li we live in a lot of things like that. You know, physics tells us that most of this is empty. Experience tells us, so we, 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 when, when, the, when, when we're teaching physics, we say, you know, 99% of this is, is empty space. When you're teaching people common sense, you say, be careful, it, it, it hurts when you're not careful. You know, we have to live with a, there used to be an old quip. My father came from Lithuania, and the Lithuanians were noted for having a dry sense of humor. And, um, the the um, so one of the complaints used to be that the the, the milkman um, dilutes the milk with water and so on. That was like a favorite complaint, and maybe true. I, I, I'm not. <laughs> but the but they so they, there was an expression that there is no truth in the world. There is no truth in the world except for the milk that the milkman brings is truly water. That was, you know, it, 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 it flows better in Yiddish. So, so we, we need, to, you know, yes, we, we need to harbor a certain level of illusion to be, um, you know, to, for us to exist. And that's why it does what it is. It's, it's, it, that line of dividing us and God is, is, is not something that, that itself is something we, we don't really understand. You know, we could talk about it, we can say, okay, good. Thank you very much. Okay. Figure it out.